Hebrews 12, 1 and 3 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time and your word. Pray you'd speak to me and through me. Help me to clearly uh, explain and preach your word. May we all receive it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you know me, you know I, I already, because I, I mentioned I like watching documentaries, and it could be a documentary on pretty much anything. So recently on ESPN, they were uh, doing a documentary on an old cyclist. I'm not into cycling, but I like documentaries. Learned about the first guy, American, ever won the Tour de France, and then they started doing this uh, um, documentary on Lance Armstrong. And so if you know, like, uh, any race, but, you you know, that was they were showing the Tour de France, they were, you know, cyclists come out the gate, are runners, and everybody you know, start strong at the finish line. I mean, at the starting line, right? Everybody comes out there, a big pack of people, whether they're riders or runners. Uh, but when they get towards the finish line, it usually thins out pretty dramatically, correct? Usually at the finish line, only a few people, maybe one person cross at the same time. You know, whether it's the Tour de France or the a marathon, life is a lot like these races. Many people start out great, but they don't make it to the finish line. Sadly, I just read in the news just this morning, actually, that a lead singer for a known Christian band came out and said that he didn't believe in God anymore. Now, God's not through with him. His story's not over yet. But, you know, it's just it's just heartbreaking. It's, it's, it's just to see that. And to, I mean, he put a big, long post on Instagram. I read the whole thing just to see where it's coming from. Not everybody makes it. Again, his story's not over. And then his, his parents are actually pastors. His father-in-law's a pastor as well. And he said that they're praying that God reveals himself to this young man. And I'm praying the same thing. And, I mean, you can Google it. You can find out who it is. And I encourage you to pray for him. But, you know, I want all of you in this room and tune in online, all of us, to make it to the finish line. Again, and I mentioned this a little bit Sunday, you know, some people do well. Even if we we go three quarters of the way, if you don't finish, it doesn't matter. Tonight I want to give you a few things that will help you to thrive over a lifetime. You know, the life of Samson in the Bible shows us a negative example of what not to do. Samson's life, if you're familiar with the, with, with the story of Samson, he shows us an example of what not to do. He had everything going for him. Samson had a great start. He had abilities. He had good looks. And he had strength. He had brute physical strength. And if you haven't, by the way, if you haven't read the whole story, many of you have, uh, you know, not just Samson and Delilah, which you're going to talk about, but in Judges 13 to 16 is the whole story of, from Samson's life to uh, the end of his life. And I'm going to talk about a little bit of it. And there's a lot of scriptures in there. So I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to hit a few of them and paraphrase, but I encourage you, if you've never read the whole uh, story of Samson, after this tonight, go home or tomorrow morning, Judges 13 through 16. So he started great, abilities, good looks, a lot of strength, but one day he lost it all. His strength left him, and he ended up a broken and blind man. Here are some lessons, three lessons from Samson's life that can help you maintain spiritual strength throughout your life. Tonight's message is how to develop spiritual strength that lasts. Samson was physically strong, so we're going to use his life as an analogy of what not to do and how we can stay spiritually strong 
for our whole life. Number one, you must discipline your desires. You must discipline your desires. Samson lived to please his own desires. In three different chapters, he had relationships with three different women. Judges 14 tells the story of his desire for a young Philistine woman. Even his parents warned against this relationship, but Samson wouldn't listen. Look at Judges 14, 1 through 3. It says, one day when Samson was in Tim Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye and I want to marry her. Get her for me. First of all, Samson didn't have uh, respect for his parents either. His father and mother object, objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? They asked. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. Samson's choice of a wife was based solely on her appearance. Obviously, she was a beautiful woman. She was an attractive woman. And he wanted to marry this woman. It sounds like he never even talked to this woman. He just saw the way she looked and said, get her for me. Again, I was like, I need to teach this man some manners and some respect and honor for his parents, right? But you know, the truth is, Samson would fit right in with our culture today, which often encourages self-indulgence. Isn't that right? So much of our culture is all about your appearance, your looks, what you have, your status, and to go after those things that look good, that feel good, that taste good, the whole gamut of things, right? You know, we all, every single one of us has seen prominent people, both men and women in prominent positions, even in ministry, who gave in to self-indulgence and lost it all, just like Samson, right? And they started good. God was with them, even the ministers that were anointed, that, that were doing mighty, wonderful things for the Lord, doing awesome things, awesome works of God through him, pre preaching the gospel, people getting healed, people getting saved, even people in different uh, areas of life. We've seen sports, you know, uh, stars and, and, and politicians and all these people that seemed like they were doing great, but they gave into self-indulgence. They didn't control their desires. They didn't discipline their desires, and it ruined their life. Listen, if you're writing notes today or taking notes, I want you to be, write this down. Be careful not to make decisions based on pleasure rather than principle and live out of convenience rather than conviction. Be careful not to live out of pleasure rather than the principles in the Word of God or live out of convenience. What's convenient, what's easy, what's feel good rather than out of conviction. When we do this, we risk losing spiritual strength. In other words, for spiritual strength is our anointing, the grace on our life, to be able to live. You know, again, grace, people misunderstand the word grace. I share this often. I want to share, uh, you know, for all those listening. Some people have twisted and abused the word grace and have shared that grace is a license to self-indulge and then God will forgive you because of grace. The word grace actually is a word that implies the power to resist temptation and sin and to be able to live a life against or that that's contrary to just self-indulgence what feels good what's easy again remember what's easy because it's easy to indulge in what you like right it's easy to you know uh, uh go for what feels good what you want 
perfect example. Just today, my wife and my girls just went on a trip and they came back with some chocolate covered pecans. Now, why did one of my daughters put that on the counter? I gave in to temptation and I grabbed a couple of those chocolate pecans. Then I grabbed a couple of more. Then I grabbed a few more again, right? It was easy, right? It, they were right there. They tasted good, right? Perfect example. I wasn't planning on sharing that, but you see, God works all things to the good. My shortcoming today hopefully can help you. Thankfully, those little chocolate-covered pecans won't be as bad as some of the other things that we can indulge in. Listen, even good things, like I just mentioned, even good things like food, money, sex, and sleep even can zap our spiritual strength if taken to the extreme. Amen? Isn't that right? All these things I just listed are good. But if taken to the extreme, they can zap our physical strength, our, our, our spiritual strength, our anointing, so forth and so on. We must discipline our desires. Unlike Samson, we must discipline our desires. Look at Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Don't be misled. Remember that you can ignore, you can't ignore God and get away with it. That's powerful right there. I, we could close in prayer right there. You can't ignore God and get away with it. A man will always reap just the kind of crop he sows. If he sows to please his own wrong desires, he will be planting seeds of evil and he will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. Why do we think we can get away with self-indulgence, sin, and the like? He said you can't. Ignore God and get away. Don't be misled. You see, and a lot of people have been misled. A lot of people, sadly, even uh, even leaders, church leaders have misled, misled people to think again, like the word grace means you can indulge, you can just, you can indulge in all your sinful or wrong desires and get away with it. But I don't know about you, that word uh, spiritual decay and death, I don't know how you can skirt around that. Right? That's, that's pretty, that's pretty evident right there, right? Look at 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. It says, strengthen yourselves with the same way of thinking that Jesus had. Live the rest of your earthly lives controlled by God's will, not by human desires. We can, we can be controlled. When we surrender our lives, we begin to be controlled by God's will. Now, it's not easy because our own desires never go away. Isn't that right? The reason why the Bible says this, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this tonight, is because our desires never go away. Well, mine don't. I don't know about yours. Now, God gives you grace and gives you strength, and there's a lot of things that I don't desire to do anymore, right? But, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul said, In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And he says, he says that the spirit and the flesh always war against each other. So we do have to discipline our desires. Going back to these cyclists. And as I was writing this thing about the Tour de France, I never, I never thought about it because I'm not into cycling. Did you know that the Tour de France was 21 days? It's three weeks. One of the cyclists said it's like running a marathon every day for three weeks. I don't want to run one marathon. That sounds brutal in itself. But could you imagine being on a bike that long and it just, but guess what? These guys have incredible discipline, not only physically, but mentally, what they eat, how they work out, how they exercise. It's, it's, it's incredible. Spiritually speaking, we have to do the same. Just because we want something doesn't mean we should have it. 
Let me say that again. Just because we want something doesn't mean we should have it. Self-indulgence will zap spiritual strength out of our lives every time. You know, one of the one of the best ways to kill the anointing in your life is through self-endurance. So number one, we must discipline our desires. And again, you don't do that on your own. You do that with the Lord's help. Samson did not discipline his desires. When he saw a woman, he went after three different relationships in three different chapters, and none of them were healthy at all. Samson could have used some marriage counseling as well. So number two. Not only should you, number one, discipline your desires. Number two, you should restrain your reactions. Restrain your reactions. Church, I think you know this. In this life, people will hurt you. People will let you down. They will disappoint you. They will break promises. If you're not careful, it's easy to get resentful. You can begin to resent people and be bitter at people. Samson lived in a constant state of anger that stemmed from resentment. He reacted violently to everything. For example, he was primarily, his primary motivation in life was to get even. Matter of fact, one time, again, I want to encourage you, I'm giving you snippets, go through or tidbits. There's all six or, I'm not sorry, not six, 13 through 16. One time he killed 30 men just to get even on a bet. He had gave these guys a riddle, said, hey, try to figure out this riddle. Uh, they, you know, ended up asking the, the woman he was with at the time what the riddle meant. They, they, she told him. They figured it out. So he went and killed 30 people to pay off his debt for the bet that he had lost. Now, I want to give you just from Judges chapter uh, five, uh, 15, look at these three verses, just 3 through 11. Look at Judges 15, 3, and this is the kind of life that Samson led, and it's recorded in just one chapter. Samson said to them, this time I have the right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. Like he said, I have the right. This time, you know, last time I might have not been justified, but this time when I harmed them, I have the right to harm. Verse 7, Samson said to them, since you've acted like this, I swear I won't stop until I get revenge on you. I swear that I won't stop until I get revenge on you. He had no restraints to his reactions. And in verse 11, I merely did to them what they did to me. Y'all see that? Not only did he react with vengeance and revenge, he justified it too. He justified his violent action because of what they did to me. Listen, people are going to do things to you. They're going to hurt you. I know you, I'm not telling you nothing you don't know. You've been hurt before. But I know sometimes we go through something. It's like, man, I finally got through this. The Lord's healed me. I released it. I forgave it. That was the hardest time of my life. <sighs> I'm done with that. The truth of the matter is, it's probably coming around again. We have to restrain our reactions. Again, three times in just one chapter, he talked about getting evil. Even. Listen, resentment is self-defeating. It will poison your life and your relationships if you let it. Resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness. If you can't restrain your reactions, again, in order to do that, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control, right? So the only way you can restrain your reactions is through the power of the Holy Spirit, asking Him to help you to restrain your tongue. That's really one of the biggest ones. It's restraining your tongue and then your actions towards people. Because listen, you can't simultaneously hold on to grudges and follow the will of God. 
Let me say that again. You can no long, you cannot hold on or simultaneously hold on to grudges and follow the will of God, no matter what people do to you. Samson tried to justify it. I had the right to go out and do what I did to them because of what they did to me. You have to restrain your reactions. It'll never, ever come out to anything good. The Bible warns us clearly about revenge. Romans 12, 19 and 21. Dear friends, never take revenge. You know what that word never means? It means never, ever, ever take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will repay them, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Instead of reacting with revenge, flourish with forgiveness. Let me say that again. Instead of reacting with revenge, flourish with forgiveness. I love this. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. This sounds like reactions, right? This sounds like a lot of Samson's reactions. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander. He even went further and took physical violence and even murdered people. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You know, we can't teach on forgiveness enough because I believe so many people get hurt and get bound up and never truly flourish spiritually and they lose spiritual strength because they hold on to grudges, bitterness, and unforgiveness. Why should I forgive them after everything they did to me or to my family? This last line makes it clear because God through Jesus has forgiven us. He's forgiven us an eternal debt that we could never, ever repay, so we must forgive others. Instead of taking revenge, we must forgive. You know, there's a brother in this church I was just talking to him the other day, and this week made two years that one of their children were taken from. She was an adult, and she was she was taken from by the hands of somebody else. And he explained, he told us that he had plans to take revenge on the person that took her life. He had plans, uh, actually had a gun and had it all planned out and ready to go. But then he surrendered his life to the Lord and he ended up forgiving that person. A family ended up forgiven. And it wasn't easy, of course, but you know, just talking to him the other day, talking about everything that the Lord's done in their life and, and, and just how on fire for God he is and everything that they've done. It shows you that when the Bible tells us not to do something, not to take revenge and to forgive, it's possible. Amen? He's an example that it's possible. It's not easy. I get it. But it is possible. Matter of fact, he even started a life group on forgiveness. Now, that's powerful. Not only has he walked through it himself, but he's also started a life group to help others to forgive. So, again, I mean, because, again, I can't wrap my brain around that. Having four children, I could not imagine. But I do know. It's possible through the help of the Holy Spirit to restrain your reactions and to be able to give it to the Lord and forgive. Amen? And the third and final thing, after we dis uh, uh, discipline our desires, restrain our reactions, number three is keep your commitments. Keep your commitments. Listen, carelessness 
whether it's with your time, your money, our relationships with people, and especially with God, can eventually sink you. You know, Samson's strength was a gift from God, and it came from a Nazarite commitment that he had made. His, when his, his, his mom got pregnant, which we'll read, the Lord spoke to him and told him he needed to be a, a Nazarite, which means somebody to set apart a dedicated to the Lord. Let's read that. Judges 13, 2 through 5. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. He's talking about Samson. So listen, the rules and regulations of a Nazarite are stated in Numbers, back in Numbers chapter 6. Ordinarily, a person would take a vow as a Nazarite for a limited period of time as a voluntary act of dedication to God. But Samson's was a special, divinely ordained case. He was supposed to be a Nazarite, dedicated and set apart to God for his whole life. Never cut his hair. And even though he told his mom later, the, his dad even said, what are the rules for this young man? And she said, like I told your wife. So he was supposed to continue with, with no alcohol, a special diet, and not cutting his hair. You see, God wanted Nazarites to be different, and he wants me and you to be different as well. See, this goes back to point number one. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to all be dedicated to the Lord and set apart. We're not supposed to look, act, talk, smell, and walk like the world. We're supposed to be set apart. Man, it's all right to do that. It's okay to do this. Well, it might be, but are you set apart? Are you, what, what have you committed to the Lord? First of all, just keeping your commitments to people. Let me go back to that. I know God convicted me of this years ago, where even when I came into ministry, I would commit to something and doing something for somebody or with somebody, but then I would use the banner of, I'm just too busy. I'm sorry. I can't do that anymore. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I learned to start saying no because I was tired of breaking my commitments to people. And I got convicted. I wanted to be and I want to be a man of my word. So first of all, keep your commitments to other people, but also, and more importantly, keep your commitment to God. Samson continuously compromised his commitments to God. He toyed with temptation as he tried to get as close as possible to the fire without getting burned. Is that possible? Eventually, he did get burned. Sometimes, but most of the time, it's not. Eventually, he got burned. We see this in a relationship with Delilah in Judges 16. That's the most popular story that you read about is Samson and Delilah. She was hired to test his strength. Three times, she tried to find the secret of his strength. Finally, he told her his secret, and it ended up destroying him. You remember I said he tried to get as close to the fire and not get burned? Look what Proverbs 6, 27 and 28 says. Can a man embrace fire? And his clothes not be burned? Can a man walk on coals without scourging his feet? Of course, we know the answer is no, right? And this is what's interesting. That scripture is in the middle of the warning about adultery. It's warning a, a man about not getting involved with a woman that is not his wife. And that's the, the analogy that Solomon uses as he's talking to his sons about being careful about getting caught up in adultery. 
So let's go back to that. Keep your commitments to your spouse. Be faithful to your spouse. And not only physically, but indeed in your mind and with your eyes, everything else, right? Samson's inability to keep his commitments to God produced devastating consequences for him. Now, this whole time we've been talking about spiritual strength. Samson was physically strong. We're talking about spiritual strength, our anointing, our ability to endure. You remember I started with endurance, to endure through everything we go through in life. Your spiritual strength is only as strong as your weakest spiritual commitment. Your spiritual life is only as strong as your weakest spiritual commitment. Some of you may be out there tuning online and here. You had some very firm convictions. Maybe it was on purity. Maybe it was on tithing. Maybe it was on drinking. Maybe it was on something else. And over the years, those things have kind of just like, well, maybe not. Well, maybe I can do this. Well, maybe I don't have to tithe every time I, I get paid, you know, if I'm struggling with this. Or maybe, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. That's, that's not, you know, really going to hurt. But listen, how can a man take fire to his chest and not be burned? Eventually, you're going to get burned. I've told this story for, for years, and I don't think I've told it in a long while, but I heard, uh, I'm sure it's a fictional story, but the point rings true. When you talk about Samson, you talk about our discipline, our desires, keeping our commitments, restraining you know, uh, our reactions. There was a man that, a businessman that hired another man to take him to a meeting up in the mountains. He had to go to a business meeting up in the mountains. And this road, the only way to get to where he was going was known for uh, a, a very, very sharp curve that had a very steep drop off, hundreds and hundreds of feet off of this cliff. There was no guard well or whatnot. And so he was interviewing uh, professional drivers to take them up there. And he said, listen, I got to be there at a certain amount of time. I know a lot of people have died trying to take that curve. How, how close to the edge have you gotten and can you get? Man, the first driver said, man, I can get pretty close. I've done it before. I can get you there. There's a couple of steep curves, but that one I've managed it. I, I can get a couple of feet away from it. He said, okay. He interviewed the next guy. And he said, okay, what about you, man? There's a lot of steep curves. A few of them are bad, but we know this one curve. How close have you come, you know, doing a good steady speed because I got to get there on a certain time? He said, man, I've, I've, I've pushed it where my tires are right up against it, but I've made it every time. He said, okay. The last guy he interviewed, he said, well, what about you? How close can you come to that curve? And he said, sir, I'm going to stay as far away from that edge as possible. And he said, you the guy I want to hire. You see, in our walk, I think a lot of people treat life believers like those first two drivers. They say, listen, if I don't cross the line, I'm okay, I'm safe. But I'm going to push it to the very edge. We should be like the third guy. I'm going to stay as far away from the edge as possible. See, Samson, his whole life, he pushed it. He pushed the limits, and he went over the edge every time. And eventually, it cost him. It cost him everything. What happened to Samson as we close tonight? Many of you know the end of the story. He lost his power. He lost his potential. God did use him. Let me, let me side note when you read this. God did use him. God's plan was to begin to destroy the Philistines for all they had done to the Israelites. So God still used Samson in the midst of this, but still his potential and his power and everything that he was ordained to do as a Nazarite, even his freedom. He lost his freedom. He lost it all. So remember, unlike Samson, if we discipline our desires, restrain our reactions, and keep our commitments, we can live a life 
with spiritual strength, anointing, and endurance to the end. Fortunately, as a prisoner, once he was caught, they gouged his eyes out. He became a prisoner of the Philistines. He repented and he recommitted his life to the Lord. And God gave him a second chance. And at the very end, he was able to destroy the Philistines, but he died in the process. Aren't you glad we serve the God of second chances? Amen. I just want to encourage you tonight. If you've fallen short in one of these areas here tonight, if you tuned in online, God is not through with you yet. Just like Samson. I mean, he messed up royally multiple times, but God wasn't done with him. It's never too late to ask God for a second chance. Listen, your best days could be the rest of your days. Amen. Why don't you bow with me and let's pray together. Father, I know that there's a lot of people in here tuned in online that are at different places. Lord, there may be some in here tonight that they're good in all three of these areas. But Lord, I believe there's somebody in here that's tuned in online that may be struggling with disciplining their desires. They've been indulging in sin and in, and, 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 and harmful, evil, lustful desires that are causing internal consequences but eventually I know will cause external devastation as well. Lord, I pray tonight, whoever that is in here or tuned in online, I pray that you would help them, Lord, that you would touch them right where they are. Give them the strength and the discipline to be able to, to discipline those desires. Father, now I pray for anybody in here that's having a hard time restraining their reactions, Lord. Maybe when they've been, they've been hurt, they've been, they've, they've been abused. Lord God, and when people do that, and even now, even when some people don't, they're reacting, Lord God, in an ungodly way. They are a believer. They're born again, but they're struggling with their reactions. Lord, would you touch them? Would you give them self-control? One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Would you help them, Lord God, to restrain their reactions? And Lord, I pray for anybody in here that's having problems keeping their commitments whether it be commitments to meetings or to things that they need to do, commitments to you with their finances, commitments to other people, maybe their spouse, maybe like got convictions that they've had for years, but they've deviated. They're getting close to the edge. Lord, I pray that tonight they would recommit to their covenant relationship with you, maybe to their spouse, maybe to other relationships, maybe to their finances, whatever the case may be. I pray, Father, that you would help them and that you would touch each and every person listening. Now, maybe tonight we pray that, that you know, you, you may need a second chance, but some of you in here, maybe tuned in online, that you've never even started a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've never had any kind of spiritual strength because you don't have a spiritual uh, connection. You don't have that relationship with the Lord. Listen, as I talked about indulging in, in sinful desires, the Bible says we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. We've all sinned. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Do me a favor. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Even you tuned in online. Just close your eyes. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, like Samson grew up in a, in a new God. He went away from God and then he came back. Like this young man I talked about earlier that grew up. He grew up in a Christian home, in a, in a pastor's home. And now he's denounced his faith. Some of you maybe never made a declaration of faith. You say, Brandon, I don't even know if I'm right with God. You know, he, it says that if we sow into the flesh and our, our own desires, we will reap spiritual death and decay. That's talking about an eternal death, a decay that's going to last forever, separated from God if we're not right with God and we don't trust in Jesus. 
If today was your last day on this planet, where would you spend eternity? The Bible makes it clear. Jesus makes it clear. Will we either spend eternity with God in heaven or apart from God in hell? If you say, Brandon, tonight, I'm not sure if I'm right with God and where I would spend my eternity. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I want you to just slip your hand up. And if that's you at home, I want you to acknowledge that. Just say, man, I need to, I need to get right with God. If there's anybody in here, I want to pray for you tonight. If there's anybody out there, I can't see you online. So I want to just lead you in a simple prayer. If you say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm right with God, but I want to get right. I want to surrender my life. I need to ask him for forgiveness. Or maybe in here or home, you need to say, I need a second chance. I've been, I've fallen in one or maybe all of these areas and I need, I want to ask God to forgive me. Whoever that is, I want to pray with you and lead you in a simple prayer. You can pray something like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for making yourself available that I can come before you and ask for forgiveness. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I turn away from them and I turn to you tonight in Jesus' name. Now, some of you may need a second chance. Just say, Lord Jesus, I know that I've fallen, but you said that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins if we repent. I ask that you give me a second chance. I know you're the God of restoration and the God of second chances. So I come to you tonight and ask that you help me and forgive me and get me back on the right track. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up and let me pray a blessing over you as you go tonight. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of these that are here. Lord, once again, I pray for anyone, Lord God, that needs discipline, restraint, Lord God, or just the ability to make commitments, to keep commitments, Lord God, that we would sow into the spirit, not into the flesh, Lord. For those that are here and those that are tuned in online, I pray that you would help them, pour out your spirit upon them, give them the spiritual strength and endurance and anointing to last, Lord God, that we all make it to the finish line. And hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Bless them as they go tonight. Be with them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love y'all. Good to be with y'all. God bless y'all. Have a great evening. God bless you.